This final Right Ricky Sanchez podcast of 2017 is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, who writes to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of The Process and The Athletic. Subscribe right now at theathletic.com slash RTRS. On today's podcast, it is the 2017 year in review. We will go over the most notable moments from the podcast and secondarily from uh, the Sixers in 2017. And yeah, yeah. Just to spend a little bit of time on the Sixers. And, uh, of course, we will have to talk about, which, because it, it happened in 2017, perhaps the worst loss of the season, Thursday night's game against the Blazers. Before we get going, I would like to let you know, listener, not you, Mike, that if you want to go on Bust the Process 3, which is Fly the Process to Chicago and Milwaukee, the deadline is uh, next Saturday, January 6th. So after that, we will stop taking... Um, stop taking reservations. So January 6th, just go to rights to rickysanchez.com to, re- to uh, reserve your spot now. Without any further ado, here is Run the Jewels. We are the murderers pair. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Welcome to the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast. I am Spike Eskin along with a man who is appearing on everybody's best and worst 2017 lists. That is Mike Levin. Good morning, sir. Morning, Spike. Happy 2017 to you. People say happy 2018. I'm saying we had a happy 2017. Was it happy? Do you think overall? I don't know. I have such it was a, weird. I, I have a. I have no institutional memory. <laughs> I, I pride myself on it. Pride yourself on no institutional memory. Are, what is institutional memory like? Are you like the guy no, in Memento? No, institutional memory means like uh, when you have like people that have lasted for years and years at a specific department or a specific company. Like uh, oh, okay. Them firing everybody from the State Department. Is they're losing institutional memory because they haven't been there since uh, like Jimmy Carter and stuff. Okay, which is actually untrue because we do have. Every time anyone talks about the Sixers or the process, we we try to bring it back to like the Greg Buckner era, and, <laughs> right. and so there's like too much. You need all of the context. Too much context. Yeah, that's what we're known that's for. Too we much are. context. Absolutely. All right. But, before we get to the best of 2017, and what I've done is I've split it up between Sixers and Ricky stuff. So we go from a Sixers thing to a Ricky thing, from a Sixers thing to a Ricky thing. We have to, of course, talk about, I, I believe, based on the tweets. Now, I watched this game in the morning the next day. I thought about staying up, but it wasn't that I chose not to. It's just that I physically couldn't do it. So I watched the Portland game in the morning. But based on the tweets, this seemed like the first game of this season, the first loss that really, really hurt you personally, based on the tweets alone. Uh, it definitely hurt me Is the that most. Correct? It definitely hurt me the most personally. Yeah. It uh, any loss where I revert back to like the, um, I think it was the 2004 uh, playoffs when they played the Pistons, or one of those years when they played the Pistons, and uh, Tayshawn Prince just like blanketed Iguodala and they couldn't do anything. That like I. I broke a cabinet in my room. I remember doing that. Like I, I it's a quick. I I quickly become like fourteen years old again, and it is right. uh, that 
that loss definitely made me 14 years old. The angriest I've ever been after a basketball game was actually when the um, when the Knicks lost to the Rockets in Game Six in '94. I punched out a window pane in our back screen door and went for an hour drive with a bloody hand. It, it's crazy that you, as a relative adult, were a Knicks fan. Uh, yeah, I would say it went until my 20s. I would say pretty easily. It, I, I turned away from basketball for a while and then came back. And when I came back, I came back full on Sixers because I was just back here again. But yeah, I would say, uh, honestly, as a relative adult, most of the teams, I didn't cheer for the Philadelphia teams until I got into my 20s. It's a weird thing. Trader to our city. Yes, definitely trader. But I, I think uh, I made the right decision. You know, like we all make poor decisions as teenagers. And I came back and I, I have a proper appreciation for the local teams. And so here I am. So, uh, so what hurt you about it the most? Was it just it? So rewatching it, here's here's the thing. This was the first one where we were up by 18 points. Or it was, I think that's the, what the top was. Where I really would have believed if I didn't know what had already happened. I think I would have believed that we were going to win this one. Like sometimes it's the I'm sure we're going to lose it, but when we were up 18 in the third and it didn't look like that we were about to give up the lead it looked like the third was going to be okay about eight minutes through it i would have believed that we were going to win so that's why i think it would have hurt me the most watching it live yeah i had a um i had a tweet queued up i type a lot i type a lot of tweets and i i delete them over the course of the game i don't know if that happens to you as well um but uh, i had a tweet queued up basically saying how if if you're a sixers something about being a sixers fan in the third quarter and confident up 16 it's you're not you haven't been through enough or something something like that and uh i deleted it because i was like no they're gonna win this game there's no dame i like to delete i deleted a tweet and i think like in the in the movie version of my life there was like a really low christopher nolan like rumble base coming in as i as i <laughs> as i deleted that tweet it was like oh you're this is the fatal mistake and, yeah, you're uh, really you're really playing with God right yeah. now. You're yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um and so I, I I felt I was like I don't feel comfortable, but like they can't lose to this Blazers team with no Dame and like Shabazz Napier and Evan Turner and Alfred Camino and whoever getting minutes. Like, come on. And, and by the way, Nick Nap- had almost up- four or five fouls at that point. It was like, no, this is, there's no way they're losing this game. And, and by the did. way, Napier, Napier looked terrible. Uh, or I mean, it wasn't like Napier was having a game until the fourth quarter. It looked like yeah. everything was fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it, and, it, and it just became uh, so evident how, how lacking this team is um, and how many mistakes they can make from, the men, from mental and physical. They stopped boxing out. They stopped... There's no one that can beat their guy one-on-one. They're started to force shots and rush shots and turn the ball over in obnoxious ways. Just all the things you see out of a young team that doesn't have much depth without a couple of its best players. Really, really when Covington went out, it was like, uh, I was like, this is not great. And then it was very clear, like, there was one lineup, I tweeted about it, but there was one lineup that was... Um, TJ Bayless, uh, Booker, 
Simmons Amir. It's terrible. And Nobody can shoot. And that is that's truly the worst lineup I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> well, the the uh, to put it in perspective, uh, and I Justin Anderson I think was available to play but didn't play for one reason or another. I, I think he's good to go. I think he was available, but yeah. to put it in perspective, they have two wings on this team if you're not considering Anderson. In in 2017, they have Robert Covington and and TLC. <laughs> like that's their wing rotation. And their guard rotation is is uh is Bayless, Reddick and TJ. Like if if we're not considering Simmons a uh you know, a a traditional guard right. in any way. How in the world? And um, this isn't to excuse Brett Brown at all. That that it it's not what this is, even though it sounds like it is. But the team, for a team that is, uh, that is built on at least half on one year free agents and all that kind of stuff, is like, I don't know. It's it's it, you want to say that once Fultz comes back, it will even some of the rotations out a little bit, and it will. But they're still pretty lacking as far as non-front court players and it really does make the decision to trade for trevor booker of all people a little questionable i think yeah yeah i mean really questionable yeah it makes me wonder what the motivation was like i i was trying to tea leaf read on it because i can't imagine any sane person looking at this team and thinking you know what we need a four slash five who can't shoot and I almost think it comes down to Brett obviously not trusting Rashawn. He can make all the matchup excuses he wants, but he doesn't want to play Rashawn and was begging for a vet front court guy, and that's what they did. I, I, I just can't imagine the front office thinking, let's go get this guy for this time. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I've heard different, um, and I, I think it, it uh, the basic idea is what I got is that it, it leans itself towards – uh, free agency next year. For whatever reason, the acquisition of Trevor Booker opens up something in free agency that they believe will be successful next year. That's my non-tea leaf. Well, I mean, couldn't they have just couldn't they have just cut him? And I, I he he seems to be playing a lot for a guy that was acquired for for um, uh, and especially on a, a pretty thin roster for a guy who they just acquired for salary cap purposes, you know. And it, it also is strange in retrospect that they gave roster spots to Okafer and Stauskas. Yeah, that um, I mean that was my issue before. If, if you're not going to play yeah. those guys then make the I mean we this this is the year in review right here. We're we're, we're doing it right. through we're, we're transitioning. I mean like if you're going to give Okafor and Stauskas roster spots but not play them then draft don't trade away your second round picks for 20 bucks right or at least give us like the it, 20 bucks to not complain about it right if if wins don't matter which i'm i'm fine with if wins don't matter this year then i'd rather have a couple of young guys in those spots yeah. that you you want to try rather than young guys you've given up on and we and have a couple of those a, young guys whether it's for or tlc or whatever and those guys haven't panned out i think as quickly or as well as they had hoped um they would but i'd still give it like i'd still give like it, it's egregious that Rashawn hasn't been playing. I that my my Brett Brown issue is that he's not playing Rashawn. Like there's going to be weird lineups, especially when Covington's out. 
and you want to get guys rest. And I've been on, I've gone on record many times as saying like, I really want them to rest guys, um, and not play Simmons or Embiid 38 plus minutes in fucking December. Um, but also, um, Rashawn is, is good. And obviously, uh, struggles on defense and makes dumb decisions and his shot isn't great, but like he helps this team in a bunch of ways. Uh, he's really the only guy that can play above the rim and to not play him even just like as fresh legs or as a burst of energy or whatever it is, is, is I think frustrating. And you know, there's probably, there's always something going on behind the scenes, whether it's not, he's not playing as well in practice or something or other. And, and I, and I get the idea that, that, um, you should have to earn your minutes, whatever. But Rashawn had a couple really good weeks where he was playing in crunch time, and it's weird to go from that to just not playing at all. So I don't know if there's something behind the scenes or whatever, but um, my Brett Brown issue isn't, oh, you have like six and a half guys that you can play and one and a half of them can shoot. Uh, Why aren't we winning games more? Um, I think it's just really fucking easy to blame the coach. I think that's a really dumb easy way to say, like, this is the problem, here's the thing. Um, every team in history that struggled has said, let's fire the coach. And uh, that's, I think that's just really, really narrow-minded to say. Like, if, if you, you can think that Brett Brown's not a great coach from years past, whatever, I would disagree with you. But um, to say this year, with the injuries he's dealing with, and how he's gotten them to play compete every night. Um, that's I think really ill advised to be like, and he's the problem. Fire him. Put in fucking you know a Jay Triano clone or whatever, or like it's gonna be Jim O'Brien if Brett got fired. Like that's not that's not that's not good. He's a good coach. He's been here a long time. Uh, let him see it through. And once there's an actual team. I know we've been saying that for a while, but like it's a fact. Once there's an actual team and there's games to be won that are capable of being won, uh, then we can see, okay, we're in the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever, and uh, and he's not the guy to push us over the top, then you get you go coaching upgrade. I just hope that they win enough games that there's not out for blood because I feel like, and I've said this before, I think he will be, he is the first sacrificial lamb. Well, it's yeah. frustrating because I think I think you made a good point um, when you tweeted the J- Jared Bayless thing. Like people are mad at Jared Bayless being Jared Bayless, but not about the guy who signed him for three years. And uh, it's I I Jared Bayless has been worse than he should be. I think he lost whatever his maybe his wrist injury eliminated some stuff, or maybe he just lost some bounce. But like he used to be able to get his own shot, and like he can't now. And um, and so it's, that's certainly frustrating. I'm certainly not, like, stoked to have him on the team, especially for three years. But, like, it's the roster construction and the injuries are why the Sixers aren't doing better this season. And um, that's partially because the Sixers tried to have it both ways, where they're like, yo, we don't care about this year. We're not signing guys, aside from the Bayless mistake, which was his first his first signing, right? He signed That was the first Colangelo signing, wasn't it, last yes. year? Yes, um, correct. Aside from that, they're like, we're not going to commit any money long-term. We're going to give one-year deals to as many people as we can, and, uh, and we're going to be like uh, 
we're going to show free agents that we're spending money. We're going to acquire Trevor Booker and show people that we're the team. We're a team that like wants to go get a good locker room guy like Trevor Booker, or whatever. Um, we're going to do all these things, but like also we don't really care about winning this year. We're not going to, we're not going to uh, go for broke on a free agent or, or a trade or, and we're, and we're still going to, you know, we're not, whatever it is. We're, we're going to play conservative in the future, in the future for now. So they try to have it both ways because they want, Embiid and Simmons and hopefully Fultz to develop and gel and mesh into each other, um, which is fine. I agree with all that. Like I, I care about this year. I want them to make the playoffs. I will be disappointed if they don't make the playoffs because they're too good not to, and injuries is, are uh, hampering that right now. I think they still will make the playoffs, but uh, if if they go from we're not gonna do, we're not gonna give a shit about roster construction. We have so many guys in the team that can't shoot. But also, it's Brett's fault, and we have to fire Brett. I'll be re- really, really disappointed in that. I agree. I agree. I, I um, you know, we'll get to Brian Colangelo later. I, 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 though, though, I get the idea of not committing any money. I think they could have been much better strategically about it. I think, like, when you look back, there's, there's not a lot of, you know, he's been general manager for like two and a half years, like almost as long as Hinky was general manager. No, that's not true. Uh, Sure, he has. April twenty sixteen. Was... April twenty sixteen. No, twenty fifteen, right? No, twenty sixteen. It was right before the Simmons draft. Okay, two off seasons though. Yeah. Um, and and there there's just not there's not a lot of, I don't know. There's not a lot of positive to look at. Yeah. That I, that that wasn't there before. I I, I agree. I agree with you. And I yeah. think that um, I forget who tweeted it. Whether it was like Matt Carey or Kyle Newbeck, um, saying like not. The, the book on Colangelo coming into the, this job wasn't that, like, he's a terrible GM and he makes terrible decisions. It was that, like, he, he misses in small ways and they add up over time to where you look back and go, like, oh, that, that was more damaging than it would have otherwise been. If, if like, right. he doesn't work the margins in a way that, that Hinky did. Um, and maybe this team is a, is a team that... Um, you know, doesn't need to work the margins at this point because everybody here is either a, a cornerstone or a, um, a you know, a uh, person to stand in the way until the real people come in, real the real free agents or whatever it is. Or maybe Jonah Bolden is going to be awesome and that's going to, like, vindicate him and stuff, um, which I think he will be awesome. Um, but... I lost my train of thought, so that's the end of the sentence. On to you're you're up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I don't think you could ever. I, I think his worst his I think Brian Colangelo's worst results in history have been when he has when when it seems like the pressure is on when there's like a uh, when the when the time is weighing down on him and in Toronto I think you can see those errors and I think. This was a job that he came into when there was an artificial, um, immediate need to do something. Like there was a uh, well, owners because, I'm sure were leaning yeah, on him the, a little bit. The league was leaning on him a little bit, so they had to do that. Pete, and the Bayless, the Bayless contract that they will be trying to get out from under this offseason is a result of that. Uh, right. And by the way, Bayless. And when I said you can't be mad at Jared Bayless for being Jared Bayless, and maybe he doesn't look as good as we remember. But um, career thirty six point six three point shooter twenty seventeen eighteen thirty six point six. 
Uh, career effective field goal percent, percentage, 47.3. 27-18, Like, Like, you know, <clears throat> it's – I. I can understand that people are frustrated watching him, but he's mostly been exactly Jared Bayless. Yeah, you know? I think he he, cre- uh, he used to create more. What's his is yeah. his assist percentage is lower than it? Yeah, had been. Um, all right, all right. Before we get to the year in review, first we're going to read the Willie Green five star Apple Podcast review. The last one of 2017. We're at 1,259 five star reviews on the way to 2,000. Of course, when we get to 2,000, I will read all of the reviews from 1,000 to 2,000. This one comes from Gucci Flip Flops. He five stars. He says he or she says great pod. Just came to say if Jared Bayless is on the team next year, I might jump off a bridge. Good day. There you go. I don't think he'll be on the team next year. The the only question is what they will pay to get out from under it. And before we start the year in view, let's talk about our sponsor, a new one in 2017. That is Cornblow and Cornblow and Adam Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. You could see it the live Ricky. Man, they loved quickly- it. they loved him at the live Ricky. I said we were going to do the commercials and they just started chanting Cornblow. My favorite Cornblow moment of the live Ricky is he came up to me and he's like, look, I want to buy 50 Cornblow corn dogs for people. So when you get on stage, can you say that I'm buying them? And right when I was going to announce it, Rich from Underground Arts came up to me and he goes, hey, we're all sold out of the Cornblow corn dogs. <laughs> so he wasn't able to do it. He was really disappointed. He, uh, I am really glad to have picked up. Uh, Adam as one of our sponsors in 2017. Part of the family. Um, yeah, he's part of the family. He is, and, and our goal was to say as soon as, if you have some sort of personal injury experience where you need a personal injury law- lawyer, the first person that should pop into your head, whether it is slip and fall, injured at work, car accident, uh, medical malpractice especially, should be Cornblow and Cornblow. They are the rights to Ricky Sanchez of Injury lawyers, small and boutique, but very high passion and very high effectiveness. So um, if you have any of those things, you know, even if you think you might have a case, the the person that you should call is Adam Kornblau at Kornblau and Kornblau. If you think you have a case, you and by the way, what we like to say is when when you go to Kornblau and Kornblau, you're going to get a Kornblau. So call 215 215- uh, five seven six seventy two hundred. Ask for Adam or shoot him an email, and that email address is cornblau at cornblau and cornblau dot com. The cornblau is spelled with a K, but as Mike likes to say, oh, the rest is on you. The rest is on you, right? And the and is spelled A N D. Uh, cornblau and cornblau, the official law firm of the process. I hope so they I start thought the hope, best way. I hope, to- I hope they start selling corn dogs like at the office. There's just. <laughs> There's just a little, there's a little guy a who sells business? corn dogs. Yeah, yeah. It's like also uh, over here, one fifty a pop. Good deal. Yeah, and shout out to Cornblow's mom too, who is a regular listener of the podcast and designed the t-shirts and cell phone sleeves that were handed out at the live Ricky. Except she, except she fast forwards the podcast to get to the commercial. To get to the commercial instead of through the commercial. Yeah. Right. Well, I think as the live pod can attest to, a lot of people like the commercials. <laughs> It's some of our best creative work. So if we're going to start off the 2017 year in review, it really has to start off with what is, is you know, arguably the high point of 2017, which came at the start of 2017, and that is the Sixers January of 2017, uh. which we all, we, we all fear 
is really the high point of all of this, even looking forward. That might be the best it ever gets. And I will say, if that's the best it ever gets, Mike, it was pretty great. Yeah. January was good. We had it good in January. Uh, by the way, January coming up again. Could be right. Could be the month that turns it all around. Maybe January is the Sixers month. <laughs> right, which which isn't really what we're hoping for moving forward. Yeah, <laughs> as far as months, yeah, as far as months go yeah. in the NBA season, yeah. uh, I guess it's better than like November. You know, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't want to be the Raptors. The Raptors are a November team. We want to be a a January through June team. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Yeah, that was good. It was the, that was a good that was a good time. It was the awakening of Embiid. We had the Covington sort of came out of his slump, had the buzzer beater against Portland. Yep. Now of course the Portland game is where Embiid injured his knee, even though he came back and played again. We had the TJ McConnell game winner oh. in January. Which may have been the greatest Sixers moment of the last decade. I mean, I don't know. It had to be I mean, it, and then recreated at the live at the first live Ricky to then be the next greatest Sixers moment of the last decade. <laughs> right, the second greatest. And then even though it was a game he sh- obviously shouldn't have played in, the Rockets game is really yeah. sort of like the 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 tragedy, the the um the high and low in the same game, that and the Portland game, and that he came back to play in the national TV game had that sort of duel at first with Nene, and then with it was like really Embiid versus Harden down the stretch. But we could all see that he was sort of limping, and you could sort of feel like it wasn't right. And it was really, it was, I think it was the 27th. It was the end of January. Yeah. It was almost the height and the bottom all at the same time. Yeah. I mean, everybody's meniscus got a little sore that day. And, yeah, uh, and we'll, we, we, that was classic Sixers rush, rush, sit him out, rush him back into a game, then sit him out for a few games, bring him back in for the nationally televised game. Uh, it's one of our fondest memories, and we still lost by like what, like fourteen that game, whatever. And yeah, it was like one twenty nine to one seventeen yeah. or something like that. And yeah. then he didn't play again the rest of the season. Yeah, and then of course we, and we'll get into it later. But we had the bone bruise into meniscus uh, fiasco, which oh. happened. It which started in January, but we'll go over that separately. Now, also in January, which is the first Ricky memory of 2017, uh, and I just I, I felt like it was good to do here because it happened in January. Was bust the process too, uh, and the theme of that one, of course, was was uh, fuck Andrew Sharp, and we had the Andrew Sharp T-shirts. It included us really um, overwhelming a Washington D.C. bar, which just had no idea what they were getting into. Um, which Andrew Sharp, rightfully uh, so, for them. Yes, yeah. Well, they had people waiting out in the rain. I mean, I think they had the manager of that bar. I forget the name of the bar. Was a listener and a truster, and they had the right intentions. And we we eventually got everyone in there, but it was a little crazier probably than it should have been. It included Andrew Sharp being there and taking pictures with people wearing fuck Andrew Sharp t-shirts. Um, it included us chanting MVP at every Sixers player, including Julia Okafor and TJ McConnell. If you'll remember, Joel Embiid did not play in that game, which was really perfect. 
my favorite chant of the night was when a Wizards fan came up to us and started like taunting us and everyone, I can just imagine what this looked like. I started a first round knockout chant at him, like to make fun of the Wizards and everyone started doing it and his rage, um, knowing that he could beat up each and every one of us individually but together as 400 people was just too much for him to handle. And just he knew he had to walk away. Uh, he knew we had won that one. But man, if he had waited for us individually, I think he could have taken at least 50 or 60 of us. And then uh, thanks to um, then PR guy Mike Preston and Joel Embiid for hanging out afterwards um, to take the photo with us on the court. And tweeting out the photo, bust the process, with the hashtag bust the process. And also the Wizards and owner Ted Leonsis being very angry at us for the entire thing and making us skip the everyone gets to shoot a free throw on the court because they were so sick of us by then. Did the Sixers lose that game too? The Sixers did lose that game by a pretty wide margin. Perfect. We were up at halftime, and I said to a couple of people on the bus trip, I think John Wintermute being one of them, Oh, we're definitely losing this game. Oh, like, yeah, that was we that were... was a bad third quarter. I remember that. Yeah, it was a terrible third yeah, quarter. Yeah, yeah, I remember and, that. Did, uh, and did I they do... win the first bust the process? Uh, no, we got crushed by the Nets, but that's when we were <laughs> chanting. Uh, we get we were chanting. We, we got draft yeah, picks yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope we go. I hope um, we go o for the bus the bus trip. Right in Milwaukee, <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, yeah, everywhere. absolutely. I mean, it's a great it's great for the brand. And the <laughs> other thing, I mean. The Wizards, the fight I had to have with Wizards uh, marketing and PR the two weeks leading up to it when they told us we couldn't wear any Sixers gear to the event was really awesome. That's crazy. It was a, it was really me trying to settle in and trying to convince them I was a grown-up who knew the situation that they were in, but they were going to cause a lot more trouble than they wanted to if they— um, uh, and before we get to the next one, this obviously leads us to say uh, Bust the Process, Fly the Process 3 is the first weekend in March. We are avenging the Rookie of the Year loss to um, to Malcolm Brogdon by Joel Embiid. So we fly to Chicago. We go to Milwaukee on a bus trip, and then we come back to Chicago. We're three nights in Chicago. It is uh, available for different prices for double occupancy, triple occupancy, quad occupancy, and you can get them. And the deal is great. You, you really couldn't do this um, like yourself. It has free breakfast every morning at the hotel, real breakfast, not, not that continental breakfast bullshit. And, uh, and it's going to be an awesome time. A huge buffet and happy hour in Milwaukee the night of the game. The game's an ESPN game at night. Um, so just go to ricerickysanchez.com and you have to reserve your spot by, um, by January 6th. That is my, Saturday. Uh, my dad, my brother and my childhood best friend are going to be there. Are all going. Yeah. And it looks, it looks like we're going to have between four and 500 people total. So that's wild. Pretty impressive. Yeah. All right. Um, next memory. And this is uh, a combination of Sixers and Ricky. And that is the Joel Embiid all-star campaign. And uh, and of course, which came along with who was Paul Millsap? Was which that was, was that really Ricky. Paul Millsap? Was this year? Yeah. You didn't you have your All Star memory with Paul Millsap? Wasn't that before though? Right, but who is Paul Millsap was based on him getting the All Star bid instead of Embiid. Oh, okay. So 
Yeah. So the 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 Paul Millsap thing is years old, but who is Paul Millsap and the Joel Embiid All Star campaign, which which eventually would lead into the Joel Embiid Rookie of the Year campaign because it was the same sort of argument, um, you know, the games played uh, bit. So that was also 2017. Now, if Joel Embiid doesn't make the All Star game this year, I'll have a heart attack. But I I can't see any way in in that. I mean, the East is so thin. He has to make it this year, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll make it. I, I could see them being like, we can't do Embiid and Simmons, and then leaving Simmons out, which I'd be, which I'd be like fine with. You know, I'd be fine with him just dominating oh. the rookie sophomore game. What if he that takes? Actually, what if he takes a three in the rookie sophomore game? Oh my god, <laughs> that, and nails it. Yeah. Oh man, what a great Twitter moment that would be. That'd be crazy. Um, and while while we're talking about Embiid and that time, of course, that's when the Embiid injury f- fiasco was happening. So if you remember, they you know it happened in the Blazers game. Um, they we didn't really get a diagnosis until after the Houston game, when they called it a bone bruise, and um, Brian Colangelo, who was on WIP with um, the now departed Chris Carlin and Ike Reese, and they were, they were pretty hard on him. Uh, said that like it wasn't anything they were concerned about, and it was like a minor bone bruise. I, I don't, and I don't then, know if other if other teams. I know, I don't know if other teams lie as much as the Sixers seem to, or get get themselves as in, in as many PR fiascos as the Sixers do somehow. And it's and it's it's uh it's crossed regimes all the way. Like it's gone for a long time, but like it seems like it's it's always egregious with the Sixers. It seems like it, especially. And now that Colangelo's here, especially since he was here, uh, you know, with, on, on, a, on a platform of transparency and being relationship guy and talking to the media, like, it's more, it's more uh, bald that it's that when there's, a, when, there's a, when there's an incident when the Sixers are lying or, or uh, yeah. something has been mishandled because it's like, well, this is what you were fucking brought here to do. Right. And and you can look this year. I mean, last year, we can obviously look at the Embiid thing, which took a Derek Bodner, um, hey, he has a meniscus tear uh, report right. to really get the, the truth out of it. Um, and then you wonder if they even knew because they were practicing with him and letting him play anyway. And then it ended up with surgery. As they said, the meniscal tear was, was like nothing. And even this year, with all of the fault stuff, which which I sort of understand to an extent because I believe they're trying to protect him and I I'm sort of okay with mostly, but even the Forkan Korkmaz got diagnosed with a Lis Frank like injury like, three weeks ago or something, and they said more update when it's necessary, and it basically took me complaining on Twitter that there was no Furkan Korkmaz update for us to get a Furkan Korkmaz update that he's going to be non-weight-bearing for three weeks, and then they're going to reevaluate him in six weeks, which basically means he's done for the season. You know, um, it, it is amazing how constantly they're either lying or not transparent or not communicative when this is exactly what they were supposed to be good at. It really is amazing. And uh, as much as this is more, still more of the, of the PR department, the, and we'll get there, the Nerlens traded for a first-round pick is uh is the high point of that for me yeah well i I, that that's coming up and you know as i mentioned bodner breaking the story we should talk about our uh, another new sponsor that came in 2017 and that is the athletic 
saw a good number of athletic t-shirts at the live Ricky. My dad, right my, dad my dad wearing the inexplicable right side of his, uh, the wrong side of history t-shirt. Right side of his, I don't know. Maybe it right is the wrong side. Maybe it is the wrong side of history <laughs> if you're looking depending on which way you're looking at it. Derek Bodner wearing like a, a t-shirt, a hoodie and a hat just to um, just to make sure everyone knew. Yeah. And as we we did the live commercial at the Ricky people of course Channing Godner the Somebody asked me the other day, it was uh, Jack Fritz, who works for WIP and for BGN Radio and is a, um, a, a Ricky regular. Um, he asked me, he was like, hey, is the athletic really worth it? And I looked at him and I was like, dude, it's fucking $3.74 a month. And it's, the, it's literally at this point, I read the athletic and I check LB and that's, that's basically it. But the coverage that you get, all you need to do is look for one week for what you would get for with Bodner and Mike O'Connor, and Rich Hoffman. And it's just, it's worth every penny. And then when you realize that you get every Philadelphia team, and then every market that they cover, and then all the national guys, $3.74 a month if you subscribe at theathletic.com slash RTRS, theathletic.com slash RTRS for that price if you subscribe for a year, is a, it's a bargain, and there's no clickbait, and because they don't need to do clickbait because they already have your money anyway, and uh, and no no pop up ads or anything like that. So I think we are. Uh, I think you would agree. We're very proud to have the Athletic as a sponsor of the Ricky. It's for the for the bougie Sixers fan. Yeah, which is what we are. Yeah. Do you know uh, Do you know if they do RSS feed? Uh, they don't do RSS currently. Hmm. I would like them to. But they're, that would make my life they're, easier. They're, there and and the other thing that I would um, that they're working on is I love the Mike O'Connor report card for the Sixers games, but that's which is only available in the app. I mostly read the Athletic in the app, but that will move to desktop soon enough too. I've been told they're they're working on that too. Um, you know, along with the Embiid, another Sixers memory is the Simmons sort of uh, when is he coming back fiasco, oh. and that is is as much. Uh, you know Simmons and his team, which right. I think were controlling that as the Sixers. But you know it was pretty bad all around. Oh, I re- I remember when the injury happened, when they said it's a, uh, it's a, it was a Jones, right? We were hoping for an aversion, an avulsion, right? I don't remember right. any any of the terms. Uh, I I said he's out for the year, and I got a lot of shit for that. A number of people were like, "No, they said two to, they said two months," and it's like. Have have you been watching this team for the, any of the last years? He's gonna sit the year, and he did, because that's how it goes. Somebody's out; they're gonna sit the year. Fultz will not. Fultz will not. He's already played, so he doesn't. He's not eligible for the sit the year <laughs> for the rookie exception. Yes, he's not eligible, so he's gonna come back and play. Um, but yeah, it was very. It was seemed very clear that like they're just gonna give him the the whole time and. Uh, that I agree that without that was not a Sixers based problem. That was just his team wanting to be wanting to sit him out. Even though I think he wanted to play towards the end. Yeah, I, I think it I give the Sixers a little credit a little bit of that because I, I feel like um they're consistently worked by agents publicly, but um, you know, the, the, the guy who's supposed to have a great relationship with agents. But yes, I think that was as much on Ben Simmons and Ben Simmons's team as as the team itself. Um, so most of the nominations we got from people for best and worst Ricky moment of the year were oftentimes the same thing. So people would oftentimes say the best moment of the year was X, and also the worst moment of the year was X. Great. And 
we got some of those nominations for Mike eating and cleaning dishes during the podcast, um, which spurned a really great Photoshop, which you can find if you go through the Rights to Ricky Sanchez Twitter likes. I was just eating. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't cleaning dishes. There were, but it, was it sounded egg, like It was like an eggs and sausage situation, and it was very good. And honestly, I don't regret it. It was tasty. <laughs> so Rich from Underground Arts, who, uh, who was playing the car sound effects while we were doing the pod, also had some silverware sound effects, and at some point was going to come up and give you a banana <laughs> during the podcast so you could eat during the podcast. But I think the pod, which we will uh, talk about later, got so out of control it just sort of let it, <laughs> it go. Really, it really did go off the rails. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll discuss that later because there, I, I, it came to – I came to a reality during this week when I was talking to – so the two people I deal with at Underground Arts are Rich and this guy, Brian Dilworth, who books the venue. And, and they both had the same conclusion, which I will uh, which I'll bring up to you later. Okay. And the, the next Ricky memory, um, I don't think anyone has a negative memory of this one. And I've got to give – got to – he always tells us to say the name, which I think is very funny. The guy who does the hashtag RTRS relisten, his Twitter name is at evil underscore hinky. And he is re-listening to the entire Rights to Ricky Sanchez catalog and coming up catalog. with like the – What's well, four years? It's four and a half years. Uh, he's, he's listening to all of them and coming up with all of the questions that people have. You know, when did Lickface happen? When did – what is this? What is that? You know, he – you know, when was the Dion Waiters-Evan Turner fight? If you go through the RTRS relisten hashtag and follow this guy, you'll get all of those. He's up to December of 2016, I think, so far. So he is a uh, a crazy person that I'm a little scared to meet in real life. I, I actually bet I've probably met him somewhere at this point. But uh, he's doing God's work, I think. Good stuff. Love lo- so that, love a relisten. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, relistening to S-Town. I'm per- oh, perennially rewatching Lost. It's got to love a re-listen. So that brings us to the trade deadline of 2017. So the next Sixers memory is the Nerlens trade um, for Justin Anderson and the fake first. Um, It spawned the Your Idea Lottery Party t-shirt, the Nerlens t-shirt, which um, we got a great picture from Dave, uh, who he did you see the picture of the guy yelling in the Nerlens T-shirt? Yeah. At the game, so that was the same guy who t- he emailed me. He w- he was hoping that we were looking for him in a very harmless way, which we were. He also wore the Nerlens uh, fake pick T-shirt at on like the top of a mountain in Machu Picchu. Right. So we put that. So um, it was a horrible trade. It was a. Um, it was a, you know, later on when we get to the Okafor trade, it was a, a real example of the mishandling of both of them and their value. And uh, it was like the last time that we were really, really, really mad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, was, it was bad. It was, I was very angry about it. Obviously, Nerlens has uh, spoiled whatever any – Say, uh, semblance of goodwill or at this point potential he has who knows what his career is going to be but he was, certainly could have been valuable on this team they traded him at the wrong time they got the, the the press release was really the most frustrating thing it was a first round pick that was protected in the top 18 the Mavs would have had to go like 40 and 2 to like get that 
that was just insulting. And I know that that's, that wasn't – Colangelo didn't write the press release, but, like, why even have – why even have that as a stipulation? Like, okay, top 18. Like, if you want to make it, like, a thing, then do, like, top 12, something like that. But it, it was – very, it was very, it was offensive, like to me personally, and um, it became two second round picks, which I love. Second round picks became Justin Anderson, who we are desperate to have back. Um, yeah, but not for the. I mean, it's it's turned into like you know because Dallas didn't sign Nerlens with that contract, and now he's like on a qualifying offer, and he's not playing, and the whole hot dog thing. Like Nerlens has become a, a bit like. Uh, he's, he's a joke right now, which is which is sad. Um, but he's a guy that they could have definitely used last year uh, had they played him more and could certainly use him this year when Embiid's not playing. But uh, that wasn't the and, and by the way, frustrating. I haven't given up on the Nerlens thing, and I, I think the fact that he has signed with Rich Paul means that Rich Paul probably hasn't given You know, if, if Team LeBron is interested in you, I think that they – probably know something we don't now Nerlens, um obviously you know from everything that you and i have both heard has to take you know attitude thing has to change has to take basketball more seriously but i don't have any question about his skill set and i think he will wind up in a much much better situation next year and then it'll be on him you know this was a weird situation this year i think you know with him possibly turning whatever that deal uh whether it was whether it happened or not yeah um I think Dallas traded for him, hoping to sign him, yeah. not not expecting this would happen. Yeah. So, uh, so that takes us to the next Ricky memory, um, which is the fact that. So I think the quote was, "My least favorite Ricky memory is every time you guys talk about Ben Simmons." <laughs> the thought that we hate Ben Simmons. I like Ben Simmons very much. He has no jump shot. He has one move, and he's shooting with the wrong hand. His defense is incredibly good for what I thought it would be, and he's certainly going to be a very, very good player, and he is right now. But there are distinct weaknesses, and those weaknesses are crazy. That's it. Yeah, they, well, they're very Sixers. I'm glad that we have him because it, it seems like— I think it started when we were talking about the idea of trading— like like when George. Porzingis was on the block or Paul George. Well, yeah, or Paul George. And honestly, I I still don't think either of them are crazy. And um, Porzingis has proved that it's not crazy. Um, and at least, I, yeah, I I like him, and I hope he does. Well. Now I have said that like I don't feel the same sort of connection to him that I feel with other players, and whether that's because of when he got here or because of um, we don't hear a lot of his personality. like Because, you know, Hinky didn't draft Fultz, and I, I feel like Fultz is my little brother, and I want him to succeed more than anybody. So, But we don't hate Ben Simmons. We like Ben Simmons. It's just he's shooting with the wrong hand. Uh, and everyone who says that he doesn't need to learn how to shoot to be awesome is out of their mind. And like you, that's you can, it. Even every game, he for whatever reason, he's standing out by the three-point line. And they kick, they swing the ball, they kick it out to him, and it's like open three, not gonna happen. It's that that doesn't affect his stats specifically, but it affects the team in that they're not getting the open look that they should be getting from one of their best players. He should be able to hit that shot. Here's, here's the thing. Here's 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 a little perspective. 
if Amir Johnson is that open, I've seen him shoot the shot. And that's Amir Johnson. So there was a really, really, really egregious Amir Johnson play when he was stand. He was looking at it. He looked at it for like five straight seconds, and he's like, "Well, I'm an NBA player. I gotta be able to take yep. this shot, but I probably shouldn't. But I, I, I guess I will. They're really not the coming, Portland coming out one. to me. Yeah, and they pull the game. And uh, yeah. that was that. That was pretty tough. I, I don't know. I don't remember when that happened in the game, but it seemed like a oh fuck moment. It was. It was. It was the third quarter. It was definitely the third quarter. Yeah. Um, or maybe it was the fourth. It was the second half. It was definitely the second half. Next, Ricky memory. And I thought this was funny. I went back and listened to the last five minutes because I don't remember who won. Was in March when we did the field of 64 uh, most processed Sixers for you to determine who you thought the most processed Sixer was. And the whole podcast basically was us going through every matchup. People ended up doing their own brackets, which are on uh, com. So the finals ended up being Hollis versus Nerlens, and wasn't Andre Carolenko cho- in the? Yes, was in the semis. Yeah. Was in the final four. It was Hollis versus Karolinko in the semis. <laughs> it's a great matchup. Uh, yeah, uh, Hollis. I mean, I think in retrospect, it's either Nerlens or Covington, right? Or, or do you still go with Hollis? You picked Hollis as the most processed six. I, I think I think Hollis in the way that like. He ultimately failed to be an NBA player. Sort of, sort of locks into like this. Probably won't. We probably won't win a title. So like right, that right, feels right. right. But no, I think you're right. I think Nerlens. I couldn't not pick Hollis. Like he, it was there for me, and right. I had to do it. But I think yeah, I think either Nerlens or Covington. Uh, TJ is up there, obviously. But um, yeah, uh, I think in terms of like true process Sixers, I, I would give it. I would give it to Covington. I think he's. I think he's. The, he's the guy. There's ups and downs with him. There's. There's like a. He's a. He's a new kind of NBA player. There's like, you have to be patient. Uh, he's injured Hollis, frequently. All the stuff. Hollis was your most processed sixer. Like Roten would have been mine. I, they're in the same category. I think. Yeah. Except, Sean O'Connor tweeted it. We need Hollis Thompson right now. Like this second, he, I would take he would be so. He's so important to the team when he's not here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next one. The the next Sixers memory is. High usage Dario Saric and his rookie of the year run after Embiid goes down. The Dario is the best player on the team thing will never happen again. And it was, I thought it was glorious. And uh, I still would have rather he won the award over Brogdon. Um, It was funny. One of the retweet Armageddon uh, uh, bills that I brought up was if they finish one two and beat in Sarich, we should launch retweet on again. It eventually got voted down. It didn't happen anyway. Uh, Sarich was two, and I think Embiid was three. I think that's how it worked. But um, I just love, in retrospect, I have a, a really soft spot in my heart for Dario, and seeing him like with a an outlandish usage rate was very. Um, even though it wasn't Hinky Era Sixers, it was very MCW Hinky Era Sixers, yeah. and I really appreciate it. He totally took over. He totally took over, and I, I do. I, I think ultimately, him running the second unit and being able to do a little bit more of that is is what we're hoping for. Um, and the three point shot is improving when it's not like crazy flat, but like he, he's better off being a guy that can create and pass and distribute and sort of, like, do his weird Dario thing. It's amazing how slow he is. 
and how he's playing NBA basketball, like I'm, I'm fairly certain I could beat Dario in a race. <laughs> Even though he's like six nine. Six nine, NBA athlete. Uh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure I could do it. And that's and he's great, and I love him. And uh, there, did you see that tweet? You might have been asleep for this, but uh, some lame ass tweeted uh, that Embiid and Simmons get all the publicity, but Dario is is like the most consistent of the Sixers young guys. <laughs> it was really, it was very good. Seamus, Seamus was like, ah, I'm the Dario guy, and even and even this is too too hot for me. Uh, <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well, thanks to the way Twitter works now. Even if you miss a tweet, they show it to you six days in a row after yeah. um, if somebody happens to like that That's tweet. That's true. So I have like 12 things left. So what you're going to judge on is whether we need to talk about it or we can just mention it and go on okay. for, for the next one. That's fair. Um, the next one is the two Spike and Mike arguing podcasts of the year and the two this year. And they are in the memory of the Turner versus Waiters podcast of 2014. <laughs> The election podcast of 2016 and the unreleased Michael Franco podcast. Wow, which uh, was the most heated. Was <laughs> this year's two argument podcasts were the Brandon Austin argument yeah. and the the unexpected Brian Colangelo um, is he doing a good job argument of about a month ago, which uh, forced Sixers Reddit basically to turn on me. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Now I I think the tone has changed in the last. Three weeks, I think people have gotten a little less patient with the way things are going. But, um, but yeah, they got very, very, very – between that take and the um, it's not Fultz's shoulder that caused the shot thing, yeah. they were very, 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 very – there's a, like a new Sixers fan out there that um, that like I'm, – I'm going to say exactly how I feel, whether they turn on me or not, but – so those were the fights. Do we need to talk about them or just mention them? Uh, mention them. I will say that Derek Bodner reached out to me and agreed with me on the Brian Colangelo fight. So. Oh, well, he, he's wrong, too. Uh, just just um, saying. In, in terms of like, the okay. point of the process stuff. Anyway, keep going. Um, uh, the pick swap. Yes, this is must talk about the pick swap. Come on. This is the whole point of everything. <laughs> of everything. You know, we talk about process over results, but in this case, let's talk about the results. Yeah, 100%. The fact that the pick swapped, they, did, they didn't swap the year before because the odds were very, very small. But this year, the odds were still not great. And the fact that they swapped is honestly like life-affirming for me. I needed them to it swap. Was, it was the only, you know, there are a lot, and we'll get to the lottery party next, but the two greatest lottery party moments um, in terms of electricity in the venue, there were other great lottery party moments, which we'll talk about. But the two greatest ones were when we won the lottery the year before. Which I was there for. for. The pick, which you were there for, which was crazy, which included like Ike Reese jumping on. On my back. Did you jump on Jake, on your back? Yeah. Um, it's a professional Jake football Pavorsky. player jumped on my back. Right. Um, and, uh, and then when the pick swapped. In 2017, I, so I wasn't. Was, I was home for the pick swap. I jumped over my couch when Gons was filming me. Uh, yes. What What happened at the live at the lottery party then? It was insane. It was because everybody knew this was one that we had prepared for, um, and there was a swap, 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 swap chant leading up to it, <laughs> and everybody went crazy. And my favorite part was the bless their hearts. I love the Xfinity Live people like to death. 
uh, every one of them, but like three of them looking at me and going, okay, what does this mean? And like, like they weren't sure. sure. Um, like, cause they're, they're in, but they're not in, in like they're part of the family, but, uh, but they only see us on Christmas, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and that leads us to, um, the lottery party, which this year included a engagement between Alan and Chandler. Congratulations to them. And thanks to L.L. Pavorsky for the ring. Us raising the retirement hinky banner yeah. at Xfinity Live, which Daryl Morey has seen and said he wants one of. And uh, and it us going through the tickets, like selling out in under a week. Um, it was uh, it was pretty crazy. The engagement was crazy. The banner raising with the Amos Lee song playing in the background was crazy. It was all pretty crazy. Wild. And I think it led to you saying, okay, I'm not going to miss it anymore. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to. Try to, man. Um, Too good. The, and th- now is a perfect time to talk about our, our origi- original sponsor and the final sponsor of today's podcast, L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. 65 engagement rings sold to Rice Ricky Sanchez listeners. Woo! One engagement ring given away. I think three babies created from Rights to Ricky Sanchez, L.L. Pavorsky couples. Um, he is truly like sort of, although we started the podcast, he's sort of like the dad of the entire pod, I think. I mean, I think that's yeah. fair to say. He, he's like everybody's dad at this point, you know. And we feel that way because we trust him, because he's a, a good guy, because he he um, he cares about each and every one of us, and uh, and he wears a suit to the lottery party. I mean, wears a suit to the live podcast at Underground Arts, too. If you need an engagement ring, there is quite simply nobody else in the world that you should go to. Only L.L. Pavorsky, even if you live in a different state, and even Ricky listeners from different states have done it as well. Um, If you want to buy an engagement ring from Lee, 215-627-2252 to make an appointment. You can stop by the store at 707 Walnut. You can hit him up on Twitter at L.L. Pavorsky or email him at llpavorsky.com. And for every podcast, L.L has continued to make generous donations to Justice Rescue and the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. 2018, the year to get married to literally anyone. L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. <laughs> there you go. Um, next thing was the Markel Fultz trade, which in the turn pick swap triggered... Trade. Uh, the pick swap trade, which in turn triggered um, retweet Armageddon. I, I keep forgetting that that's what, what did it. Yeah. And I have to give credit to there's a guy that calls uh, WIP calls the the RTRS radio show every week that I believe is Ben Dietrich, but he goes by the name Eric, and he has a Twitter account as under Eric, but I also believe it's Ben Dietrich that founded a Brian Colangelo press conference. Colangelo sort of taking credit for losing the right amount of games to allow them to trade up and get Markel Fultz in the press conference when they announced the trade and not acknowledging the swap at all. Um, Tough. Tough. So in retrospect, now retweet Armageddon was glorious. Um, It trended nationally. Uh, The trade... While it excited everybody, I guess remains to be seen. Although, wait, wait, um, trended nationally, it did once again. Sixers fans retweeted. It definitely became yes. that once again. They talked about it on like Rachel Nichols talked about it. It was a whole thing. 
obviously the mainstream people didn't get it and were shitty about it, whatever. Uh, but it was it was a Sixers fans gathered situation. Now, for all the shit we give Bill Simmons, I will say that the Ringer did give us credit in I think two separate posts on this. Chris, al- the Chris only person always says at the-, the name, almost always says the name. Chris says the name. Jason Concepcion said the name. Um, John Gonzalez said the name. I, I, uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm sorry for what's his naming him. Um, 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 Kevin O'Connor. Uh, yeah, Kevin O'Connor says the name regularly. So. Uh, the ringer as an entity says the name Andy Greenwald said the name. It's just bill doesn't say the name, but, uh, and, uh, Joel Embiid participating in retweet Armageddon yes. by re- retweeting my father saying that Dario never came over and unfortunately misspelling Armageddon. So it, it, <laughs> it, uh, it didn't count. It, it didn't count was really, I hope he did that on purpose. <laughs> was really awesome. Very good. Very good. So, the draft was sort of uneventful because we knew who. They wait, were wait! You didn't. Take. You didn't say. Uh, you started to say in retrospect about the Markel Fultz trade, and you oh no, I, I, oh no, no. So, do you think it was the right time to trigger retweet Armageddon? Oh, um, honestly, I think we're going to be retweet Armageddoning multiple times. Right. I think. I think it's going to happen again, and uh, I, this it, it felt it felt like the right time to um for us because again process over results and we we were like that was still at a time and you know we still might be there at a time we're like Embiid may just never play again and if he and if we get news that Embiid's out forever then that would prohibit any return Armageddon from then so I think that was like a we're going to have Simmons Fulton Embiid and that alone means that the process was worth it, which it was, and so I I I I, I do not regret it. Here's here, here's where I I agree in two senses. I think it was enough of a tribute to Hinky, right? And it was it was also ship of Theseus um, stuff. Yeah, but it was ship of Theseus stuff, and it was also and this is related to ship of Theseus. One thing that I kept saying in the email threads was. Because people kept saying something big has to happen, like we have to win a playoff series and blah, blah, blah. And what I kept saying was we're going to lose. We, it needs to be closer to now exactly. than then. You know, like we need to be – I'm not – I don't – you know, a couple of people said I'd rather not do it at all than do it too early. And I think that's like wrong. That's completely antithetical to retweet Armageddon. I wanted it to happen. So um, – even though I thought there were a couple of things that we voted on that should have been voted yes prior to that, uh, I was fine with this being being the moment. So, uh, welcome to the moment. So then the, the draft happens. I, I don't know. There's there's not too much to say. It was uneventful. They drafted Fultz, Bolden, uh, Pesechniks, and then they sold the picks that would become Juwan Evans and who was the other one they sold? Was it Sterling Brown? Might have been Sterling. I Brown. I believe it yeah. was. Um, but it was sort of like it was a definitely. I, I remember doing that podcast and it being not a total bummer podcast, but it was a little because we knew what the good thing was going to be. Um, there was there wasn't as much to say as there would have normally been, and there was a little a lot of us whining about selling the second round pick. Right. I mean, so far on draft night, we've had two Colangelo drafts, and the first draft it was Simmons, and then he stayed pat at twenty four and twenty six and took uh, Luau and Korkmaz, which I liked. Both of those guys were. We're in the top. Law was four for me, and Corkman's was like fifth, thirteen or fourteen or something, and uh, 
and then didn't draft anybody in the second round. And then the last draft, like you said, uh, did they did they trade up to get Pesesnik? They might have. They traded up to get I Now I don't remember because it was such an un, uninspiring pick. Um, but uh, And then they sold off their second rounders. and I, li- I like Bolden. That was exciting. But it was very much like drafting guys to stash them, which is fine. But it wasn't a great – aside from Bolden, it wasn't a great stash draft. So the idea of Pesetchnik in the first round seemed a little worthless to me. Um, I don't know. It, 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 was a, it was a bummer just because of how much, how much juice Hinky drafts seemed to have. And uh, Calancho is kind of just like, we're going to do our thing. From here, which is, you know, um, I think that's the whole thing. The whole thing is maybe maybe Hinky would have done the same thing, b- being like, we've already laid the groundwork. We've already done the hard stuff. Let's just fill it out with, like, let's just do the thing. We have the guys. Let's support them. But without, like, you know, having to, having to do the 10-day carousel or whatever it is. Who knows? Let me ask you this: without, without, um, and because the next three things we don't really have to talk about because we've we've um, we've talked about plenty. I just want to mention them. If you could have done the same trade, let's say you could have traded our pick, whatever the the Laker Kings pick thing that we did, yeah, and let's say, uh, and you could have gotten Kyrie Irving, would you have done? Would you have rather done that? Mm. Um. It's the same pick. Instead of trading for Markel Fultz, we trade for Kyrie. Yeah, we, we trade both picks. We trade the pick that would become, you know, our the number three, and we trade the Lakers Kings right, right, right. thing, whatever it is. I don't know. I mean, Kyrie looks great in Boston now, so that that's gonna that's gonna cloud it. I think he, I think he looks more of a team player than I thought he'd be able to do. Um, but I I and this is like to my downfall. And because I'm, I'm a, I want to like sort of corral everything and make it our own. And who knows if like maybe I would think that Kyrie is one of us. But like drafting somebody feels like like homegrown prospect situation. And I don't think that the team, the team wouldn't uh, be good enough to compete without Embiid being Embiid anyway. So like Simmons, Simmons, Kyrie, as fun as that would be on its own, right? Um, I don't think that that's a championship team. I think that they need that that team would still need Embiid to be dominant anyway. Um, so, in in the interest of like how much I still love Fultz and Embiid and like wanting to be uh, one one of them to all be our babies, like I I'm happy with what we did. And also, like it doesn't so, line up timeline as much. Like, well, he's twenty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I mean, true. he's not like he's. That's true, yeah. but he's but his but his contract would. What's his contract right now? Do they sign? Do they sign him to a fat deal. It's not bad, right? It's not bad right now. It's like twenty million a year. But um, I yeah. mean, just in terms of in terms I, I of years, like it's still going to take Simmons and Embiid aren't. He has hit two their, years. Right. Hit, right. So Simmons and Embiid aren't going to yeah. hit their peak for a couple of years, and so that would require us to resign him, which maybe we would. I don't know, but like the idea of just having these guys all young on their timeline, all on rookie deals now, Embiid not on one. Um, I don't know. Well, that's gonna. I'm, one would think that'll change. Look, I, I think in retrospect, and I'm I'm all for, I'm happy. I, I'm all for faults, and I'm I am team positive on faults right now. But the uh, Jimmy Butler, I would say no, just because of the age thing, um, and I think he's a, a pain in the ass. But um, 
And I'm not a huge Kyrie guy, but Kyrie would be tougher. But I agree with you on the drafting him thing. I'd rather it be our guy than their guy. Um, and this, of course, they'd be better this season had they if they had Kyrie. Right. That well, could... and the, the the whole timeline thing goes to hell this summer when they're going to try to sign a guy or trade for a guy that's older than these guys. I mean, they're definitely going to. Yeah. So we'll see who it ends up being. All right. Next couple of things. We don't need to talk about free agency. We've talked about that a billion times. Um, the next uh, Ricky memory was when I did the four-hour podcast reading all the iTunes reviews that some people actually listen to. Rough. Uh, we, what if you, like, in, in, the in, in the middle of that in the middle of that podcast, you, like, like led people to a treasure hunt? Like, just buried, like, an hour, like, two hours, 55 minutes. It's like <laughs> Spike starts reading communist propaganda and... <laughs> and see who notices. See who notices. And, and also... Uh, a treasure hunt t- into like what formerly was the Granite Run Mall. There, there was a great uh, review in there that referred to you purposely as Matt the whole time. That's it not, was the craziest review. I remember of all that one. Them. I remember that one. Yeah. Um, in the off season, uh, Tony Roten appeared on the Rice to Ricky Sanchez, which was awesome. He was great. He was like ten out of ten. Yeah. I would say we had a we had a great off season crop of people this season. Yeah, I, I agree. We had uh, we had. We had Kate Fagan, we had Molly Sullivan, we had our normal draft guys, you know, Derek, and we had KOC. Um, who else did we have? I feel like we're missing somebody. Well, Chris, yeah. Chris, didn't Chris Ryan come on this offseason? No, that was last year, yeah. actually. It was last I year. I remember, that was good. Um, we, the Sixers had the Embiid and Covington extensions. The Covington extension is awesome. The Embiid extension is good because it happened. Um, you know, the price is crazy, but, you know, that, that's what you were going to have to pay him. But um, it's nice to know they'll both be here as long as, as we will. Yeah. So, um, the first ever live Ricky with TJ McConnell was really a revelation. And that is because of TJ McConnell. You know, to think that there are pictures of TJ McConnell holding up two beers, uh, double fisting it at the live Ricky while cursing out Cleveland <laughs> and calling Joel Embiid the second coming of Christ— uh, you know, talking about his wife spending all of his money, it, it was it was unbelievable. And I believe that every live Ricky we do from now on, we owe a, a debt of, of gratitude to TJ McConnell for being so unbelievable at the first one. Yeah, that ruled. And, and, it was and really recreating the, the shot over over the Knicks. Yeah, he would have done anything we asked yeah. by that point. He was having such a good time. Because you were like, you were was... like, well, you know, warm him up. We'll see how he feels. Right. You don't want to do that. I, I made him name name his former teammates, uh, and he and he remembered some of them. He forgot Steve Zach. I think he got everybody else. Um, yeah, and I'll tell you, I don't think you saw his face, but when you told him he was going to have to do that, it was a an, a total look of fear <laughs> in his eyes, like. <laughs> A, a total, oh, my God, this is the first time I'm, I'm, I'm very, very frightened about what's going But he did good. He did a good job. So. I think he, 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 he needed a little help from Kazemi. Uh, yes. But um, he did good. And it, I mean, he's just – he's a great guy. And, uh, and we yep. love him, and I'm excited for the next Live Ricky where we get uh, one of our other babies on there. Yep. And, of course, TJ is always welcome at any Live Ricky. Yeah. Uh, the next Sixers thing – the Okafor trade, and I've included in this, which was also in 2017, Chuck Okafor saying on Twitter that he was going to slap the shit out of Seamus Clancy. <laughs> which, which, honestly, I don't blame him for. 
Seamus is a very right. slappable guy. Yep. Uh, well, I mean, the Okafor trade was a gross trade, but at least it ended it. Yeah, I think. And I, I mean, R.I.P. Stauskas, who is having a career renaissance in Brooklyn, as predicted. Uh, Okafor, his health is still, and his fitness is still not quite there. Um, yeah. Has Okafor's dad said anything about what's happening in no. Brooklyn? Anything? Well, he's just getting into game shape, Mike. I don't think the free jaw movement has certainly quieted down. He's just getting into game shape. Thank goodness he has a real coaching staff and opportunity, which is all he really needs. Like if you can't get minutes in process Philadelphia or uh, empty coffers Brooklyn, then maybe you don't deserve to be in the NBA. Maybe like Stauskas is getting minutes. Stauskas is like shooting fifty-seven percent from three. Yeah, that's those are TJ um, numbers. And uh, and from that Okafor trade, Mike once again sa- said the thing, which followed months of him not saying the thing, right. and is the only, I think, regret he has over the Okafor trade is now he has to say the thing. That's true. The final Ricky things, before we finish up on the Sixers thing, was the second live Ricky, which was awesome. Um, thank you, Chris Ryan, for appearing at the second live Ricky, who the crowd was way more testy with Chris than I thought they were going to be. Oh, they're um, a testy crowd. Yeah. It's an ECW I, audience. It really is. Yeah. What we realized, and, and they gave uh, Rich and Brian gave, from Underground Arts gave me the why this is happening. I said to them, I was like, it's amazing. Our live podcasts are not like I see other live podcasts, like video of them, and they're like almost like comedy shows. It's guys sitting on stools and people listening and laughing and watching, and that's the whole thing. Ours, if we talk about basketball for too long without making them chant something, they get very restless. So it is like an ECW crowd. It's just, it, and I love every minute of it. It's amazing. I, I think it's great. The audio of it makes me laugh every time. And Brian and Rich said, you got to understand when you get dudes away from girls for a night and give them beer, this is what happens to them. There, I, I disagree <laughs> with that. I disagree with that. There, there, really? Yeah, there were a ton of girls. They're having a great time. Well, a ton but it's like it's still even if it's a ton of girls, even if it's like ten percent, that's still only forty girls. I think they just get riled up because the, we're we're there and the inside jokes and all yeah. this stuff, and it's and at this point now it's just fun to chant. I mean, chanting's the most awesome thing ever. They chant, they do they do chants that I didn't even know they were gonna do. Yeah. Like they started a fuck a fuck Andrew Sharp chant very quickly. Yeah, they're that's uh, a bunch of good people. They uh, you know we've I've I've been to. Not all of our events, but uh, a good amount of them. So I've I've conversed with a number of those of the people there, and uh, I try to say hi and try to thank people for coming because it's you know they're, everybody's very nice and supportive, and um, it's as far, as far as uh, a room full of mostly dudes go, uh, it could be a lot worse. Yeah, it's pretty good. I always say that uh, when guys ask me if they should bring their girlfriend or wife who isn't part of it, I was like, look, they'll be confused by it but they're not going to be threatened by any of it. Like that's, that's the most proud thing I can say that they may not love it, but it's like, is the most harmless room full of 400 sweaty dudes that you'll ever be in. Yeah. So, and the, uh, um, the Markel Fultz, uh, get well card went, went over well. Yes. Which he retweeted and liked. And, uh, I believe I'm going to deliver to the Sixers facility this week for Markel. So. <laughs> and they, like I have, like it's going to go to him. So, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to prominently display that. 
Well, yeah. Not every. I not just everything. Want him to have. Not everything was uh, was uh, kosher. It was ninety five percent good. The best one, obviously, was Tatum ain't shit. That was by far the best thing sure. on there. Uh, we went through three rights to Ricky Sanchez theme songs before settling on the one that we currently have, which is thanks to Run the Jewels for letting us use Legend Have It. Legend has it, but a big thanks, obviously, to Amos Lee and Jaron Olewski, who created the one that we're not allowed to use anymore, um, which you can hear on an old podcast. To Tommy Conwell for allowing us to use I'm Not Your Man, and then, of course, to run the jewels. And people, of course, complained about every single one of them. The only podcast in America where people complain about the intro music. (laughs) And, uh, of course, 2017 has seen the introduction of other commercials besides L.L. Pavorsky. So I don't know what to say about it, but that's what happened. Yeah, we we sold out, finally. We sold out. We sold out. We're taking so many vacations now. On, on all of this money that we're bathing in. Yeah. You have no idea. And I am bathing. So, I am currently bathing. It's good for, it's so good for SoundCloud. A, um, I guess as a – how would you – if you're looking back on 2017, um, Colangelo's year, Brett Brown's year, you know, like are, are we in a better spot today than we were a year ago? Um, you know, how do you, how do you wrap it up? It's – I mean, we've had a version of this discussion a bunch of times, but, like, it's a little bit like Game of Thrones where, like, a lot of the stuff that we're seeing, as invested as we are right now in getting Rashawn minutes or getting or how frustrating Jared Bayless is or why Trevor Booker doesn't fit, whatever it is, like, it's going to end up being Dragons versus White Walkers. Like, it's Embiid's health. It's Fultz's playing. It's Simmons' jump shot. Like those are the things that are going to matter in the long term of this team, and everything else is sort of window dressing until until we get to that point where we're ready to compete. Um, that's not to say I don't care about this stuff. Um, I like a good, uh, you know, uh, various little fingers seen as much as anybody, but um, you know, it doesn't. The things that matter are the things that matter, and everything else is uh, just to are uh, wait waiting around until the real people get here. And the and the guy the guy we have the guys like we have the guys, and Embiid is playing, Simmons is playing, Fultz will be playing soon. Uh, those are all that's like that's all that really matters, honestly. I am uh, hopeful but skeptical. Um, I uh, I. You know, when we talked about um, early in the pod, when we talked about the moves Colangelo made, I, uh, I, it's hard to look back at his um, his tenure so far and see any move that wasn't a direct result of what was here before that is positive. Like I, I, I hesitate to see anything that's positive. Now, uh, that could, if he pulls off. Some, some trade or signing this off season that really injects the the ha ha ha. See, this is why I did this, or this is why I did that, or they trade for Clay Thompson or Anthony Davis or whatever they choose to do, um, and they do not jeopardize the core that is here. And if we're considering the core, the big three, on uh, well, are, are we Cove? You know, Cove. Yeah, the big four. But depending on the trade, I, I don't know. If nothing, something that doesn't 
that doesn't I'm not including Dario in that because I think Dario will be in almost any trade. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think they're too attached to Dario. Um maybe he pulls that off, but I if he doesn't, it's going to be hard this offseason to improve in a way at a roster that we see is very thin uh, to improve in a way like the only teams that can do that are teams that have like are so close to a championship that guys will go there for nothing you know like the golden states of the world or san antonio or miami when they were there so um, maybe he pulls it off but i think he's left himself you know, we said at the beginning of this, like, it would be really difficult to screw this up with all of the assets they have. Yeah, and he's and he's uh, played it that I, way so far. He's played yeah, it I, I think safe, they, and I'm not going to fuck this up. And that's been, you know, now a year and a half of that. And uh, I think you're right. I think this, this offseason, whatever big free agent signing or, or, like, you know, blockbuster trade he does to get that, that wing guy next to Covington – Whoever he acquires, that is that is the first test. And if it ends up being like a Sacramento think? thing, where they like where they spend like a shit ton of money on, you know, who was it? Like they were going after like Wes Matthews and like Rondo yeah. and like Costa Kufis. Like that ended up being like why why they did the pick swap itself. Like they they had to clear salary so they could get like a like a dog shit team. Like if it ends up being, you know, hey we you know we end up signing KCP. It's like. That's not gonna cut it, really. You know, it's 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 got to be the way they've been talking about it and the way they're set, setting themselves up. Like, that's why I think it's important to make the playoffs because I think a, a guy like, you know, uh, whoever, pick anybody, would be more likely right. to come here, willing to come here if it's like okay, they're a playoff team. They they took the you know Cavs to five or six mm-hmm. and, and it was close games or whatever it is. Uh, even if LeBron wasn't trying, like that that's that's for sure a team on the rise. I'm gonna go play there. Like that. That's why that matters. And I and I think you're right. I think it, it, it is. If he fails that, then it makes everything else look a lot worse. Right. Right. Because if the whole thing is, I I don't want to jeopardize the cap room, and then the cap room ends up being something that isn't, like you know, it. We, I struggle to find to figure out which the guy is because who knows gonna who's gonna be available via trade or whatever. But it's like the Clay Thompson, Paul George level guy. I think. I think. We're talking about yeah. a we'll a star yeah. level guy, maybe not a superstar, but a star level guy. Yeah. So, all right. Well, and as a final 2017, I think uh, I think you would agree that I thank um, everybody who listens to the podcast, who comes to the events. Who the events are always the moment where it's like, wow, this is really awesome, and I uh, I genuinely appreciate everything so the fact that the podcast has been going on for four and a half years and that the reason the sponsor thing i think is so great is like it's good to like i believe in all of our sponsors and i think there are good people associated with it but to see that people trust us enough to believe in those things you know like i doubt when i when you hear podcasts doing reads for the places that you hear all of the podcast doing reads for that I doubt like when they do a live pod, people are going fucking fan- like nuts over Casper mattresses or untuck it. But, um, but they go nuts over our, our, uh, our sponsors and stuff. So it's all part of the whole ecosystem of it. And I, uh, I'm appreciative of it. And I want to thank them for a, a great 2017. Yeah. Honestly, fuck ZipRecruiter. If ZipRecruiter comes to us and asks to do the podcast, we say no. Yep, no to ZipRecruiter. Even though they might have a good business, I don't want your no. money, ZipRecruiter. Anti. Yeah. I want to see if Cornblow wants to start a hiring. That's firm, right. Basically. Just email yeah. a resume. Come on. Yeah. 
Just email to Cornflower at Cornflower and Cornflower.com. <laughs> no, there's good people. It's, it's, fun to, it's fun to do this thing. And uh, I have a mostly real microphone now. So that's yeah. that's better. We're off the headset. Uh, I hope I hope people have a good time, and I hope we can see some Sixers success. And um, you know, it's fun. It's a fun thing, and we take it way too seriously, and then we don't take it seriously enough, and then everybody's it's it's all of it. It's it's every emotion. It's yeah. life. It's all the stuff. And uh, there's good people, and that's that is. I appreciate everybody that listens. That's it. So for the last time in 2017, Mike, are you down with TTP? Yes. You know, lick face. (laughs) Gets more painful every time. It's really brutal. Happy 2017, (laughs) buddy. All right. Happy 2017. We are the murderous pair. Dead with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Uppers and downers get done. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Come from the clouds on a missile to